Hi, I'm Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast from Light Reading, where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. Today, I'm talking with Mike Dano and Phil Harvey about their Leading Lights Awards finalists and any trends that they noticed among their categories and anything uh, surprising that stood out to them from the submissions. Welcome to What's the Story, Mike and Phil. How's it going? Hey, good, Kelsey. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah, good to have you guys here. Uh, Mike, why don't we start with you? Um, Give us a little overview of your leading lights categories, um, which ones you were reviewing, and if any trends or, or anything surprising stood out to you. Yes. And the leading lights, that rings a bell. That's uh, <laughs> something Very about what important. we know. It's, yeah, right. Our big awards program. Uh, and we something we work, especially poor Phil works heavily on <laughs> um, throughout the most most fall uh, time frame. Uh, and so, we, yeah, we I, I just finished or uh, uh, finished most of the judging in the categories that I was assigned and the three categories that, that I had for the Leading Lights Awards is the edge computing, um, 5G, 5G technology vendor of the year, and then the most innovative open RAN product or solution. Those are the three ones I had. Um, and so uh, clearly I got the best categories. I, f- I feel a great swell of pity for anyone who had to talk about fiber terminals or whatever. I don't know. I don't know whatever the, whatever the other ones are, but th- those are definitely the best. <laughs> Bunch of nerd stuff. Bunch of nerd stuff. Oh, just, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, I did come across a couple of interesting trends. Should I just jump into that, Kelsey? Yeah, go for it. Any category right. you want to start with. Okay. Ooh, my favorite category. I'll start with my, probably the most difficult category. I thought from, uh, reading all the entries and, thinking heavily about all these things. I thought the the hardest category for me was the edge computing. And I think probably the reason for that is just because edge computing is still very in its early days. It's still like really unclear how it's going to play out. And even if there are companies and submissions that we got that, that are fairly, you know, interesting and, and have a lot of detail, it's still, it's so early days that it's like, you know, I, I ended reading each entry with the question of, you know, and, and so what, <laughs> like, so what does this do? Like, what is the purpose of this? You know, it's, it's like the edge computing market right now is still so early that it's, it's really hard to understand what this technology or use case is going to do in a broader deployment, you know? And so that I found that was the real issue with a lot of the entries was like, well, that's kind of interesting, but so what? This <laughs> was was my ending thing on that. I think the one that I got the most out of was a was a use case where they put a bunch of computing right next to a hotel, and they just talked about you know you can get all this information from the sensors. You don't have to send it out to the wider uh, you know wider internet. It's all it's all kind of right. Uh, all that all that information is local and and actionable right there for the hotel, and so. For me, like that, 
you know, it's a it's a relatively simple use case, but it's one at least I can understand. Yeah, you know? that that does sound really interesting, and it is tough when it's uh, one those categories with a technology that's in the nascent phase and uh, trying to you're know, like, what do I compare this to? <laughs> and also, yeah, they probably exactly. don't have as many um, you know data points in terms of um, what the what kind of impact the technology is is making yet. So I think that'll be an interesting one to watch though um, in the next few years. And, and hopefully you'll get more use cases that you're jazzed about. Yeah, exactly. I, I certainly hope so too, because right now it's it's it is it is hard to hard to read through and really have any sort of clear takeaways right now. Yeah. So what yeah. what else? Uh, what are some other categories that you? Well, want I was going to go to the to the opposite end of that, which is the most innovative open RAN product or solution category. And holy cow, <laughs> you know that you talk about talk about the edge computing and it's like it's hard to take anything out of that well the open ran has is like practically the exact opposite problem which is there's just so much stuff in that category of of open ran i mean we had everything from a um, real-time intelligent controller entry that dealt with that to the uh, you know accelerator cards to orchestration capabilities to you know to to open ran radios like we had we had from the one end to the other we had all all those different entries and they're all very different kinds of products but they all sit inside that you know that open ran framework and so um and a lot of the products that that were uh filed into the submission um as a as an entry uh are commercially deployed and so you know like that that also made it really interesting to to go through those kinds of things and so uh, some of the some of the entries were very very niche, very specific technology protocols that you know have X Y and Z benefits, and some of them are very very broad. You know, just we make all these radios. Some of them are MIMO. Some of them are small cells. You know, it's just it's uh it went it went from one end to the other. And so again, picking a uh, picking a winner was was difficult, but um, I thought that those entries were actually pretty interesting to read just because open ran is still in its early days, but you know, there's, there's very clear uh, deployments that you can point to all over the world now um, that, that are, are showing some results. And so there's sort of tangible, quantifiable real world use cases and products that are at play, which, which made it, uh, you know, a little bit more interesting to, um, to go through those entries that, so I, I appreciated those. Uh, so, Mike, I think you had uh, one more category to go over. What what stood out to you there? Yeah. So my final category was the 5G technology vendor of the year. And uh, in th- that was an interesting category because um, some of the <laughs> some of the companies that filed applications were like, here's a product we have. And here's all the specifications of the product, which is in my mind is not quite a technology vendor of the year, you know, level yeah. entry because some you of built the thing, we built a thing. <laughs> it's like, here's this box. Isn't it great? Yeah. And so that, that was not, and the reason I mentioned that is because some other companies filed what I thought were much more comprehensive entries where they were like, here's all the industry associations that we're leading. Here's all the products we offer. Here's all the customers we have. Here's a bunch of context from analysts. Here's, you know, they just presented this sort of whole snapshot of their company as a technology vendor for 5G. 
and that you know that made a lot more sense to me. And so those are the entries that I uh, spent a lot of time mm-hmm. on. Yeah, there's there's definitely all the um, some entries where I'm like, you'll kind of miss the mark, and then you compare it to the the ones that they really clearly put a lot of effort in, um, and uh, you know a lot of time and um, data points. Yeah. And, yeah. And understood the category and, and sort of what it was asking right. for. Yeah. Yeah. Two different yeah. things. All right. Thanks, Mike. Uh, over to you, Phil. What what were some of the things that um, you were judging or or anything that stood out to you in your categories? Uh, yeah. So in the in the leading lights sort of uh, in the oh gosh, I, I guess I'm in the later round too, but in the in the first round, um, so I judged uh, public company of the year. Uh, I uh, most innovative routing and switching solution, uh, most innovative service provider transport solution. So kind of the old school optical networking categories really. And, and, yeah. you know, routing. So the nerdy board. stuff and that then, uh, uh, Mike was not interested in. Pretty much. Yeah. And the, <laughs> I, the, the I'm under- sorry to hear that, Phil. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you did those. <laughs> and then outstanding systems integrator, which was uh, even, even more um, kind of, out there and esoteric and weird, but I mean, um, that one was such a necessary category because of the state of these companies in telecom right now. It's like, we needed to really have a category that was like, don't tell us what you built, help us understand how you're actually modernizing a service provider network. You know, how are you, how are you helping these companies manage their business, manage their infrastructure, changing their IT around, um, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. And so that category was necessarily, you know, broad and hard to define the entries. Surprisingly, um, the ones that made it through were incredibly, you know, uh, full of detail and, and specificity. And I like that a lot because it, it really like very similar to the company of the year entries where people got it. They, they painted a picture of like an overall, you know, approach, a real strategy, a real, you know, uh, concerted effort, not just, Hey, we built a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, th- I think that that helped a lot because there were some systems integrators that were like, if everybody would just download our software, we'd have a better world. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay. I mean, sure. That's probably great. But, um, but what are you doing? You know? And, um, yeah, so that one was, that one was a tough one too. Cause the, the final, there were only three finalists in that category. And I, I got to be honest, e- either one of them could get the award because they're all incredibly good at what they do, you know, in that domain. They all just sort of uh, had differing levels of detail and uh, nuance to their uh, to their entries. Um, in the routing a- uh, category, routing and switching uh, category, you know, I think this is kind of more where um, we're this is really a, a battle of old versus new. So you've got the kind of hardware focused uh, approach, you know, this routing has typically been that, but everything is going into virtualization and it's becoming less hardware dependent. And, um, you know, that I think is, um, is changing our perception of the category as well, because, uh, you know, routing is not just building routers anymore. It's about uh, network intelligence and how you're, um, Know, looking at the traffic in the network and decide and helping service providers get it to the right place more efficiently and use less resources and then maybe even use um, you know uh, off-the-shelf platforms to do that 
And so there's some interesting companies in that space. There's some interesting approaches by vendors who've been in the space for a while, who've completely re-architected their product lines to, to, to match the economics that some of the top service providers are looking for you know, in a kind of a more software centric world. So that was a great category to, to, to look at in terms of just, if you, you know, like I do, you've been kind of like looking at this uh, space for a while and it's changing, you know, uh, really fast, you know, in terms of virtual, you know, people were just kind of toying with the idea of virtualization a few years ago. They were worried that the hardware wouldn't be able to keep up or that the software wasn't strong enough and that sort of thing. We're well beyond that now. Um, there's some really interesting and, uh, you know, sort of, uh, cool technology in that space. If routing is ever cool. Um, uh, the other one I had was, uh, what was it? Transport. Yeah. Uh, the, the only thing I can say about transport, the service provider transport market is that coherent pluggable optics are, you know, just the biggest trend in the world right now in that space. Um, you know, they, they've, uh, really revolutionized how you can, uh, deliver massive amounts of bandwidth all the way to the edge of the network by plugging optical networking straight into routers. So we're at a, gosh, what is this is where I'm not, I'm not Sterling Perrin. So I had to write this down. Uh, QSFP dash DD is like the, um, the, and I don't know, I don't remember what all that stands for, but that's, that's kind of the, uh, the flagship optical pluggable, uh, category right now, or that's one that, uh, you know, got a lot of attention in this particular round. And, um, you know, all of the, uh, old and new players alike are playing in the space. That's also one where there's like traditional transport vendors that were doing long haul transport. And then there's also, um, you know, routing and switching vendors who have either acquired their way into the space and developed, you know, their own pluggables, or they are, uh, you know, using their, uh, routing platforms as a, uh, you know, a, a platform to enter that space. So kind of an interesting, uh, cross-section of vendors that sort of had their own lane and now they're kind of crossing up and, uh, competing with one another. And it's, I mean, it's optics. It's about, you know, uh, operators getting, uh, you know, more bandwidth to market as fast as they can and hopefully, you know, recovering some revenue. And then it's also about, uh, uh, you know, finding uh, valuable and unique applications once they, uh, you know, once they hook up all of that uh, great bandwidth. Yeah, that's, um, I think, a a super technical (laughs) category for sure. (laughs) Kind of boring, but it's uh, but it's yeah, def- definitely <laughs> one to um, go over with Sterling. Like said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the only one excited yeah. about uh, the fact that I was in that category. Um. <laughs> but like super important, right? right? Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Is just the yeah. it's the core backbone. Like nothing works unless those things work and are improved and are upgraded to handle you know huge amounts of traffic. Like. Yeah, yeah. It's so it, it is so obscure for those of us who, who don't understand it, but wow, super important. Well, and each year we hit the, you know, we get closer and closer to the limit of what you can do in a, in a particular sized system. And so, you know, that's, that's still off a little bit in the future, but I mean, the plug in the pluggable space, this is kind of like, this is optical networking speeds and capacities that were, um, running in the core of the network just a few years ago. And now we've already got them plugging into routers in the Metro and closer and closer to the customer at the edge. So if you just think of it that way, it's like, these are just, this is just the march of technology pushing, 
you know, scary huge amounts of bandwidth closer and closer to people and businesses and buildings and that sort of thing. So it is, it is super important, but yeah, the, the getting in the weeds and the technology, which I'm trying not to do in this podcast, uh, because people are on their treadmills and they might fall off. Um, <laughs> I might go completely cold asleep. I know, but you know, it's true. Like you, I mean, if you look at forecasts for internet traffic, it, it's, it's never a plateauing forecast. Yeah. You know, it's, it's always increasing dramatically from year to year in terms of how much data people are going to use on the internet. Like it, yeah. it, I've, I've never seen a chart like that, that ever plateaus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, Phil, uh, did you have uh, like a bingo card with like Shannon limit on there? And- <laughs> I did. Yeah. XR, uh, 400 gig, yeah. 100 G, you know, ZR, XR, all, all the, all, all the different so uh, acronyms. And- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you know what was actually, um, a weird too with the, with the, the, with the, discussion of coherent pluggables is like to look at the entries that came in and then go back to like the heavy reading surveys earlier this year, where they talked about what, what did service providers that they interviewed say were the best use cases for this stuff. And then look at the leading lights entries and, and see which intro, which use cases they discussed the most and which ones they had the most amount of detail. It lined up really well. So, you know, it's, um, mobile mid hall and back hall for 5g it's it's uh you know mobile front hall so just anything at all to do with moving bandwidth around 5g networks and then it was enterprise connectivity after that um you know enterprise you know uh hooking directly into enterprise cpes as well as they can you know and that's where the pluggables come in handy as well so those those are like the biggest uh you know, use cases or applications that were referenced. And I think that tracks right along well with what operators said they were going to be spending on first before some of these other use cases come on board. So that's, you know, before we get to pushing it out to residential broadband aggregation and, uh, you know, pawn overlay for enterprise services. So that would be like, um, you know, doing things like wiring private networks and 5g backhaul and that sort of thing. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting to um, cross reference what heavy reading um, th- those surveys with what you were seeing. Um, and I just imagine you with like the cork board with the strings all like, oh, yes, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It looked like an FBI, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, investigating uh, in, in investigation exactly. in my office. I just had it all, uh, yeah, I had it all put up on the walls. It's uh and then I had an aha moment and then I, I, uh, knocked my coffee over and forgot. What oh I was no. Doing, so. That's when you flip it to the other side and just start over. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I had to, had to redo yeah. everything. Um, let's see. The only other category that I had that, you know, of note was just the, uh, uh, you know, it was public company of the year and, uh, I, you know, and, and in those company of the year categories, um, you know, those are really the, the, uh, the ones that are the easiest to judge in a weird way, because it says what we want right there on the 10, so to speak, you know, it's like, they have to be publicly listed. They have to stand out in some way. They have to, you know, show that they've pushed forward with some kind of innovation. And, you know, even though, you know, because of the times that we're living in and the contraction in the economy, we didn't ex- when we say makes investors proud, we didn't necessarily mean, you know, they've delivered a 100% return, you know, and, or, or anything like that, but, but have, uh, you know, you can tell from the, uh, institutional investors on conference calls 
whether or not a company is uh, under fire or whether or not they're what they're explaining to the market is making sense to the market and where they've decided to invest, um, you know, whether there's any question about what direction they're heading in and then makes employees happy is like the last kind of category that we, uh, or, or sort of, uh, characteristic that we look for. And we're not looking for 100% happiness across all employees because nobody really wants to go to work every day. We understand that. But it's really more about, um, you know, do you have any ongoing, super awful issues that are in the public eye <laughs> that you're not dealing with very well? Um, so Twitter is not in this category <laughs> for us. Let's say. I'm just going to, you know, put that out there. Um, you know, any company that's being run like that, we would we would uh, kind of discard their entry or read it and laugh and ball it up yeah. and throw it away. I can't remember the um, name of the company, but wasn't there one company where they were um, in the press for paying um, all their employees really well? And then it turned out the CEO had all these like sexual harassment issues. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, you know, that's the other thing is like, it, it, it does, uh, you know, obviously that kind of stuff doesn't show up on their leading lights yeah. entry, <laughs> but when we're doing our due diligence, it's always worth looking a little bit behind the headlines and just making sure that like, okay, what's, you know, talking to the stock analyst, especially and saying like, what's, you know, for public companies, it's nice to get on the phone and say like, okay, you know, these guys are performing about like we think they are. Um, what's around the corner? What What is out there that I don't know about yet? You know, what's because those guys have a, a, a real uh, doomsday clock in their head on when the stock is going to zero. And they all, they all do. <laughs> and so they are always, you know, uh, saying, well, if this happens or if anybody finds out about this, then we're done. You know, and uh, that's that's the kind of thing that uh, I'm ex exaggerating right, it yeah. slightly, but that's like, the kind I'd of thing I'd love to know to about that. About, yes. In the industry. Yeah. Well, that's that's also why I don't work on Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> I've said too much. Were there um, any that uh, talked about sustainability um, in, in their entries at all? Yeah. In fact, that came uh, that, that I think that was the, um, you know, kind of. A, a, most people pointed to, or at least linked to, or included in their um, links, some kind of message about sustainability. Some of them actually went into more detail about active sustainability programs that they have. And we do need to actually reword uh, our description uh, of the category to maybe encourage more of that, because some did, some didn't. The ones that did, you can tell they put a lot of thought into it and they've kind of integrated into their corporate culture, which is great. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, a, it's, it's something that, that certainly helps. And I think it kind of, it, it kind of bounces back and forth between, you know, making employees happy and making investors happy and sort of, um, you know, ensuring that the enterprise itself will be there a nice long time, you know, if they're, if they're conducting their business in such a way. So it, it isn't all about profits. Um, it is about, uh, you know, is this company going to be around in a year? And I think part of that is sustainability, not just in the choices that they're making at, you know, kind of a local level and whatever, but also the choices that they're making longer term in the kind of suppliers that they use, the kind of companies that they prefer to work with and that sort of thing. And then, you know, that all translates to, um, you know, how does that, how are they perceived in the market? And then if they have a good reputation overall, you know, are service providers willing to risk capital to buy their mm -hmm. products and, you know, invite them in as a vendor and that sort yeah. of thing. So yeah, it's, it's, it, 
it certainly does, you know, affect the bottom line. It's just not very direct. So it, uh, it's, you know, we have to apply a little bit of, uh, I don't know, a little bit of wishful thinking sometimes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Tough on some of those long-term strategies to, um, show immediate dollar signs, I suppose. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, but I'm colorblind, so I enjoy the uh, green brochures. <laughs> so when they put the green, the green text in the in the brochure, and it's uh, got a nice gray background, and then you have red on the thing, I just mm. see a big mess there. <laughs> so I usually go to the fine print and start reading and work my way back up. But anyway, no tier graphic designers, you're killing me. Yeah. Thanks. Choose different colors, yes. and no more Comic Sans. <laughs> just kidding. Right? Yeah, Comic. <laughs> Or Roboto. <laughs> or Papyrus. All right. Anyway. Is this, did this turn into a, a, a font appreciation yes. podcast accidentally? <laughs> wow. I could, not, I could not make Mike any more bored. This is great. Let's no, talk about fonts. I have very strong feelings about Comic Sans. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll have another What's the Story about just about fonts. <laughs> what's the for, story? For April the Fool's. Font Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate you going over these with me. And uh, good luck to all the finalists. Always lovely to be on your podcast, Kelsey. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much to Mike and Phil for joining me today. And thanks, as always, to our amazing producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more insights and updates from the team. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.